Now, I've talked a lot about all the new things that ChatGPT has been able to do, but I would love to talk a little bit more about some of the things that it can't do. Welcome back to the Digital Dive Podcast, a conversation about tech. My name is Darsh. I am one of your hosts, and I'm also your only host. Jacqueline is not going to be joining me this week, so it's just going to be a solo episode, just talking between you know you and I, just a couple of friends, just chatting, shit in the shoot, shooting the shit. That's what the term is. Anyway, this episode, guys, is going to be covering everything about ChatGPT 4.0, the upgrades that are provided by OpenAI that was announced on March 13th, 2023, as of recording this. So we can talk a little bit about what we've been seeing and some of the updates and just generally what we can expect from this new generative or innovative update of GPT with 4.0. With that being said though, guys, if you like what you hear this episode, make sure to hit that follow button on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and make sure that you get notified of every episode that we put out and it ultimately helps us get the show out to even more people. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Roll the intro. Alrighty, so if you've been living under a rock as of the past couple of months, then you probably haven't heard about AI. And if you have heard about AI, maybe you heard about it on this podcast. We have tons of episodes discussing ChatGPT and all of the kind of context that goes along with this episode. So if you guys don't know what we're talking about here, I highly recommend you go check out one of our previous episodes that kind of outlines all of this a bit further. With that being said, though, let's talk about ChatGPT. So ChatGPT was an OpenAI-based platform that was released, I believe, a couple of years ago, actually. And so over this time, it's been pretty much progressing and building into this behemoth of a chat service that you can kind of just talk to and ask questions, and they'll be able to give you some pretty accurate responses. Now, there are still a couple of issues with ChatGPT, and the most recent form that we've been working on or using for the last couple of months has been ChatGPT 3.5. Now, the new GPT-4 AI model has made its big debut, and it's now powering everything from a virtual volunteer for the visually impaired, as well as a language learning bot in Duolingo. So it's definitely getting a lot more real world application now and being implemented into quite a few mainstream and like commonly used platforms, one of which is actually Bing. And I'll get into that a little bit into the episode. With that being said, though, GPT-4 actually comes with a ton of new updates, and I want to kind of break them down for you and talk about a couple of ways that they've improved, and then also go into a little further depth into how it's kind of being applied into the general overarching, I guess, environment that we call the internet and the world. So first and foremost, let's talk about some of the big updates that came out uh, today that they had presented. So first and foremost, GPT by OpenAI is claiming that GPT-4 is more creative and collaborative than before. So it can now generate, edit, and iterate with users on creative and technical writing tasks. So that could be something as composing a song, writing a screenplay, or learning even a user's unique writing style, which to, I guess, a bunch of students, it probably makes a lot of sense because for something like this, where people are using ChatGPT to kind of formulate ideas, let's say, for essays, uh, maybe even in some case writing them. And to anyone who is writing an essay with ChatGPT, just a heads up, turnitin.com now notifies you if you have been caught with ChatGPT writing. So might want to be careful there. Anyway, in terms of the creativity front, they're claiming it's going to be a lot more creative. And the example that they provided to us was the first input was explain the plot of Cinderella in a sentence where each word has to begin with the next letter in the alphabet from A to Z. Z, yes, because I'm Canadian, without repeating any letters. So, a beautiful Cinderella, dwelling eagerly, finally gains happiness. Inspiring jealous kin, love magically nurtures opulent prince, quietly rescues slipper triumphs, uniting very wondrously, xenile youth zealously. I don't fully understand what that all means, to be quite honest with you, but it sounds pretty creative. I don't know. We'll get into a little bit more about that in a bit. 
uh, in terms of visual input, you can actually have it accept images. So you can put in like an image of a bunch of different ingredients, let's say, and what I'll be able to do is kind of identify what all those ingredients are and then give you a recipe to make with that, which I think this is more of a real world application, like reverse image searching. This could be really useful for something like that. And also longer context. So last but not least, we also have longer context. So now GPT-4 is capable of handling over 25,000 words of text, allowing for use cases like long form content creation, extended conversation, and document search and analysis. If you're Canadian, you probably know what the Juno Awards is. It's a music award held in Canada. And one of the cool things about it is that this year's host, Simu Liu, actually wrote his entire opening monologue for the Juno Awards with GPT. And I thought that it was really interesting because it didn't turn out very well, but it was just kind of funny how well-integrated this platform has become into our lives. And I kind of pass that question to you guys. So throughout this episode, because this is a solo, I would like to just throw questions to you guys. So as you hear them, I'd highly recommend going to Twitter and tweeting us at Digital Dive Pod and just giving me your answers. I want to I hear what you guys think about these kind of conversations. But would you actually go to ChatGPT before going to like a friend, let's say, to help you write something that you need last minute? Or would you rather just go to GPT and see how it turns out? Because me personally, I don't really trust ChatGPT to do something of actual value for me yet, but I think it's really fun to play with. At that same point, a lot of people are using it for essays or using it for other alternatives, I guess. So I would be curious to hear your thoughts there. Now, ChatGPT4 has also surpassed its predecessor in terms of advanced reasoning capabilities, which is pretty cool. It also outperformed ChatGPT by scoring higher in um, approximate percentiles among different test takers. So for example, the uniform bar exam, ChatGPT scored in the 10th percentile and GPT-4 scored in the 90th percentile versus Biology Olympiad, where ChatGPT scored in the 31st percentile. Now ChatGPT-4 with vision actually uh, served in the 99th percentile. So showing that there actually is some improvement in terms of the technology, and it's actually capable of passing some really, really difficult tests and by a solid, solid margin. So what they're claiming here is that they spent the last six months making GPT-4 safer and more aligned with what we need in the world. So it's 82% less likely to respond to requests for disallowed content and 40% more likely to produce factual responses than GPT-3.5 from their own internal evaluations. But I have to preface all of this by saying this episode is recorded on Tuesday, March 14th. This was announced on Monday, March 13th. So we actually haven't gotten to play with this yet. So by the time you guys hear this episode, it would have been out for a couple of days. And you can actually tell us point blank whether or not any of these things are true. Because we don't know any of this yet. We haven't actually gotten a chance to play with it yet. Now, OpenAI releases GPT-4, and now Bing Chat is also upgraded. So one of the things that I did mention earlier was the fact that Microsoft and Duolingo and a couple other companies have now implemented GPT-4 into their platforms. And Bing has actually been the first to do so when they had introduced their Bing search uh, search engine. Like they had re-engineered it so that it'd be in- introducing GPT into its entire search API. What's really interesting about this here now is that GPT-4 has already been implemented into Bing's search for the past couple of weeks. The past six weeks, it's already been available. So Bing has confirmed that it's already been running GPT-4 for customized search in the preview for the last six weeks. So anyone who's had an early adopter privilege of being able to play with this new platform has already experienced everything that it has to offer, which just honestly, that's pretty dope. If you've already had a chance to use it, definitely tweet us, let us know what you guys thought. But according to Microsoft, it is... While it is less capable than humans in many real-world scenarios and exhibits human-level performance on various professional and academic benchmarks. So it is definitely still less capable, but it's doing more than it was before. So Bing confirmed that it's running it, and now Duolingo is running it. So I'm curious to see what other platforms start to adopt ChatGPT 4.0 in terms of 
feature sets or just generally to help run its overall platform. And there are a lot of really cool AI platforms that are coming out now, all based on similar processes from OpenAI. So there's a lot that are, that's been coming out in the past couple of months, and I'm really, really excited to hear and see more as they do. So let's talk about some new things as well that GPT-4 does instead of ChatGPT. One of which is seeing and understanding images, as I'd mentioned. So you actually now have the opportunity to like show it pictures and have them kind of provide you an answer with that picture. I think this would be extremely useful if you're trying to find like a location. So say I search up a picture of, I don't know, let's say like the Sagrada Familia, like in Barcelona, and I put that in uh, GPT-4. I would be curious to see if you're able to identify that and tell me exactly where it is. So that's kind of the idea of, I guess, what this is trying to do. And now GPT-4 is apparently also harder to trick, which means that there'll be less ability to, I guess, jailbreak prompts that will have ChatGPT kind of doing some weird or responding in weird ways. GPT-4 also has longer memory. So the limit of the old ChatGPT was 4,096 to tokens, which is about 8,000 words. Now the new one is a maximum token count of 32,768, which is about 64,000 words or 50 pages of text. So you could actually get GPT-4 to write a full story. So what this means for conversation or in generating text is that you'll be able to keep up to about 50 pages or so just written off of GPT-4. GPT-4 is also now multilingual. That is, a, I guess, an interesting one. To add. Well, not interesting, but that is definitely like a cool one to add. I guess now it's going to be able to be open to more people across the world. And because more people will be able to speak in their own native tongues, it will be interesting to see what kind of new questions and answers do come out of it. We'll have more people on the platform fully using it for its new capabilities and we'll be able to have a better understanding of what's kind of like, like, like what really are the margins of error? What, where are the errors here? So I'd be interested in seeing that play out as well. So the last one that I thought was an interesting one is that GPT-4 now has different personalities. So GPT-4 integrates steerability more natively than GPT-3.5 and users will be able to change the classic chat GPT personality with a fixed verbosity, tone, and style to something more suited to their needs within bounds. Their teams were really quick to note that. So steerability is an interesting concept. It's an AI referring to the capacity to change behavior on demand. So this can be useful if you're trying to change an AI's role in the conversation to something of like a sympathetic listener, but it can also be extremely dangerous. Like when a person convinces the model that it's evil or that it's depressed. So by adding or kind of playing with these kind of uh, this concept of steerability within an AI platform like ChatGPT, I'd be really interested to see how this kind of plays out in the grand scheme of things, but that's just my thoughts. So they're saying that this could be done in a way by priming the chatbots with messages like pretend that you're a DM in a tabletop RPG or answer as if you are a person being interviewed for cable news. But really, if you were just making sessions to the default chat GPT 3.5 personalities, you wouldn't really be able to do that. So it is, I guess, interesting to see that they have a break of character, like they have a new character profile that you can use. But I'd be curious to play with this a little bit more. And I actually invoke and hope that everyone listening take some time maybe to go play with it and let me know what you guys think. I'd be really, really interested to hear how how and what you asked your GPT-4 personality to be like. That would definitely be an interesting one. Now, I've talked a lot about all the new things that ChatGPT has been able to do, but I would love to talk a little bit more about some of the things that it can't do. So although it's learned to be more precise and it's gotten to be more accurate, it still does have a couple of flaws. So there's been all of this, there's been all of these updates that have made it, I guess, more human-like or more capable as a whole, but it's still not what it needs to be. So for one, if you're trying to talk about, talk about 
discussing the future, asking for an analysis or for them to draw on things that have happened to kind of, let's say, guess the next decade. It, like Using natural language processing, we could probably, like, like it should probably be able to identify it, but it won't be able to actually formulate new ideas because a lot of how these bots work as a whole, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, so I won't drag into it too much, but it's pulling from its resource library. And in this specific instance, the GPT-4 instance, like, like their library, is pretty much anything that is available to them. And I believe this pretty much anything on the web, especially now that we have ChatGPT 4.0 implemented into Bing. So what I find interesting is that it's going to be pulling not new ideas, but rather old ideas or other things it finds on the internet, like speculation, but none of it's coming with a logical backing to it. So it can just kind of spew out whatever it wants. And that will be somewhat interesting to see in terms of going on TikTok on Tuesday next week and just seeing what kind of results people are turning up on ChatGPT for fun. Now, the new bot still makes stuff up. We call it like, it's called a hallucination. Like, and this actually is a pretty common problem amongst like chatbots. So the systems don't actually have an idea and understanding of what is true and what is not. Like I was mentioning with it discussing the future, asking future loaded questions. So they may just generate text that is completely false as a whole. And what what's interesting is that Sometimes it'll even generate internet addresses that don't exist. So if you're trying to ask it a question that doesn't know the answer, it'll come up with some BS and kind of serve it to you on a platter and then give you a citation for it. So my recommendation to any student listening who is going to be using GPT-4 to help with studying, be very, very careful with the sources that they're giving you because sometimes these links actually don't work. So that's something really, really big to note. And that's kind of where I'm going to tie off the ChatGPT conversation. I've been kind of rambling about it for 14 minutes, but I hope you enjoyed it nonetheless. With that being said, though, I definitely like talking about ChatGPT, but I'm going to transition ever so slightly and ever so nuanced into some stuff that I like this week. And I say that with with a heavy heart because I didn't have Jacqueline here to tell me that my that my transition was great. Jacqueline, if you're li- if you're listening to this, like can you tell me my, my transition was great? Like I I need that. Like I I need that validation. That is actually the cutest thing in the world. Killer transition. Okay, so let's talk about some stuff we like this week. Starting out with number one, I kind of want to revisit a show that I feel like everyone knows, but maybe isn't as popular or as mainstream as it once was, potentially. I don't know. Okay, Modern Family. I have been binging and watching new episodes of Modern Family almost every single day for the past three weeks. And when I tell you that I just can't stop, it's actually becoming a bit of an issue. I, I've, I've become like... Like, like, this is like now the show that I'm binging. Like, inadvertently, I didn't plan on starting to binge the show. I didn't sit down being like, oh, I want to watch Modern Family. It was just like, I put on an episode in the background one day and then it just hasn't turned off since. And it's been a very interesting uh, development for me because I forgot how awesome the show is. So if you're literally anyone, I would say, go watch Modern Family. It was honestly a phenomenal show when it was on air. I'm really, really sad to to see that it's done. But it's honestly one of those shows that's like, this. actually, it's very, it's heartwarming, but it's funny. But it's also like, it's it's a whole bundle of emotions. I highly, highly recommend it. So the next one that I have for this week is actually a stand-up comedy by Chris Rock. So he'd done a stand-up special on Netflix, and I thought that it was absolutely hilarious. I watched I watched it last week. There definitely were a few references to Will Smith smacking Chris Rock on the face at last year's Oscars, and now that the new Oscars, like the, this year's Oscars have come out, I feel no remorse in bringing it up because I think it's just at this point, it's, it, just, it happened, it's done, it's over. But he brought it up in such a funny way and he just, like the way that he was able to convey his his comedy, especially now in such an age where it's very easy to get canceled, especially within the realm of standup, I think he's been doing phenomenal. And this standup special was just honestly really, really funny. I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. And speaking of things that I highly recommend, I highly recommend this podcast to all of you guys. And I hope that you do the same to all of your friends. So that's how I'm gonna tie off this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. 
listening. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, make sure to go down and actually leave us a review. Let us know what you guys liked about it, what you didn't like about it, and how we can improve. We're always looking for ways and suggestions on just growing and just building out this audience even further. To everyone who's listening this far in, thank you so much for listening to the episode. I really do hope that you did enjoy it, even just me rambling in your ear for 20 minutes. But with that being said, though, huge shout out to Adil Constantine, as always, for the amazing intro and outro music that you're about to hear. And I want to give a huge shout out to everyone here listening who made it up at 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern on a Monday morning to listen to me yell into your ear about AI and how we're all going to die with AI. I'm kidding. Thank you guys so much for watching. I'll catch you guys next week, 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. Peace.